Hello and welcome to Midnight Mass After Show, presented by Horror Movie Talk. On a normal episode of Horror Movie Talk, we would review and discuss one horror film in detail, but for this series of eight episodes, we will be having an opinionated and accidentally funny discussion on each episode of the Mike Flanagan... Mike Flanagan... Mike Flanagan's Midnight Mass. Your panel of expert hosts each week... Our Dr. Bryce Hansen, that's me. I hold a PhD in spookology and fake theology. And Professor David Day. Hello. I am the foremost expert in scare no-nos. So with no further ado, let's open with a word of prayer. Yes, let's. Okay. Dear Father Daddy Mike Flanagan, please bless us with... A great after show today mm, as we it, contemplate let it, let it ring. Contemplate the mysteries of your great horror series. Amen. Uh help us to make sense of um these things and Hallelujah. Bless all the children. In the name of Kate Siegel, Amen. Uh, amen. Okay. So in this episode, we'll be talking about book three Proverbs as the episode of Midnight Mass we'll be covering. This episode fills in details about what happened to Monsignor Pruitt. We also pick up right after the moment, sorry, pick up right at the moment after Lisa's spine is healed. The town clamors for more healings, and Riley is skeptical. Signs of de-aging become more pronounced, but no one openly talks about it for some reason. That's right. Yeah, everyone's still... I mean, you know, when it starts happening, you're scared to say anything, because it's like, well, you could jinx it. Yeah. You're like, oh, I don't need my glasses anymore. Maybe... You don't jump to, Just keep that I'm getting day. younger. You you think like, well, maybe I'm getting diabetes. <laughs> it's affecting my prescription. One too many licorice bites. <laughs> I finally got, got the diabetes. Uh, so before we get too far, we want to tell you about our website at horrormovietalk.com. You can find links to all of our social media and past episodes. We post new episodes of the regular podcast every Wednesday, so please consider subscribing and especially leaving a review if you like us. If you don't like us, give us a call at 682-253-4468 and leave us an angry voicemail. Or, you know, if you like us or have any comments about Midnight Mass, we'd welcome them there and we'll probably play those on a later episode of Horror Movie Talk. Um, if you really like us, head over to our Patreon, where we have a bunch of exclusive extra content. That's patreon.com slash horrormovietalk. Thanks again for listening. Let's get into it. Let's get into spoilers of Midnight Mass Episode 3, Proverbs. Spoilers. Okay. 
Man, uh, this episode, um, how, just just what's your what's your overall <laughs> over under on this episode? So, how, episode how did, three how did it leave and you feeling three and four is where I felt it switch gears. Yeah, like three especially, like like you're like oh, oh. okay, yeah. Yeah, in a lot of ways, like emotionally too, though. Like obviously, right. there's the obvious one with Monsignor Pruitt, like whoa, that cave, and like ooh shit, mm-hmm. I kind of feel some vibes going on in here. But eh, who knows? You know, it's still kind of up in the air. But emotionally, whew, this one comes out the gate swinging, man. I was, I was like. <laughs> And then I was like, yeah, that's true, too. (laughs) (laughs) About what? Oh, man. Lisa's uh, Lisa coming to Joe in his trailer. I mean, fucking. Oh, man. Staggered me. Uh, Yeah. uh, I had that written down. Robert Longstreet in that scene is amazing. Like he deserves some kind of award for for that performance and specifically that scene i'm getting all teary really even thinking about it really powerful like the confrontation of, of lisa and lisa yeah she does both of us so intense so crazy i've never seen a scene like that yeah and it's uh yeah it's it's really great um and you know robert longstreet he's been in this one and he was in haunting of hill house and that character too had some was a very small part. Yeah, he was the caretaker, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the caretaker, yeah. but also like the scene where well, I don't want to spoil it, but there's a similar scene of him confronting loss, right, and being like very emotional, and that was memorable as well. Yeah, it kind of comes out of left field from both the characters he plays and the the way he just comes off. You know, you go, oh, this is a blue collar dude there's but he and you go oh well he's gonna hold his emotions a certain way but he's just raw dude you know he's he's right there under the surface if you just just peel back the armor just at one inch it's like oh he's just he's just so hurt you know yeah i mean it's a great character too i mean you you see how well it's written and how you know like you said it's uh just a gruff exterior and, and just scrape the service and he's just a wreck emotionally. Yeah. And it also explains his alcoholism. Yeah. Just oh how much he, he hates himself yeah. for what he did. Well, I guess he was an alcoholic before that, but sure. It's probably all contributing. Uh, yeah. It's all part and parcel. So it begins with, uh, father Paul starting giving, uh, t- just kind of telling the story of, what happened to Monsignor Pruitt? And it gives just a little taste. Yeah, just a little of, taste. Of what's going on there. Um, of like Father or Monsignor Pruitt, like being confused and kind of wandering off. And at first, I was a little taken aback by the way that they handled this, but then I thought, this is the only way this could be told is in a conversation with God directly, like right. apologizing for what you're about to do, right? Because it's a lie he's got to tell. Mm hmm. But it's not a little white lie the way he pitches it to God. Right. right. This is a huge lie of omission, uh, as we will find out later in the series. Right. And he, yeah, I mean, it's, 
it's interesting because it doesn't really give you that much to go off of other than like i'm lying about something yeah and it shows monsignor pruitt being confused in the holy land i didn't tell everybody this story this is the real story i'm just leaving that part out yeah and then there's a really great montage over a neil diamond song (laughs) that's like just a just a perfect montage I was taken to see Neil Diamond in concert as a kid. Really? It was one of one of the first concerts I think I ever went to. And I had no appreciation for what was going on. But now, listening to this, you know, I'm like, it's brought me back, kind of. Like, this is part of the thing right. that I've been... I was telling you before we started recording, I'm listening to Steven Tyler and Aerosmith. I've been listening to Neil, like these great vocalists. And the way this starts... With this Neil Diamond, like, I love the Neil Diamond inclusion in this series. It's like, oh, yeah. it's so fresh and puts this spring in your step and kind of, uh, it feels like fall, kind of, you know, just crisp and a new time. I mean, you, you know? got to think of, like, <laughs> it's such a strong choice because it's so against the grain of how music <laughs> is chosen Yeah, in series and movies right now. Like, think of every movie trailer, it's... It's like mandatory that you have to have some classic rock hit sung in a modern breathy way with like dramatic drums behind it. Yeah. And it's so fucked out. And this comes with just straight up original. Comes with acapella hymn singing and Neil Diamond. (laughs) Just a beautiful voice, upbeat. Right. You know? Ah, it's. It's, I mean, it's very human. You know, it feels like very down to earth and it fits the show great in a, in a great way. And it's not, you know, and then it's got a great score behind it too at, at moments, but, um, yeah, strong choice for the soundtrack. Um, first question I have is I'm pretty sure this is obvious. It never like explicitly like shows her doing it, but Bev definitely poison father Paul. Like no, I didn't get that because it shows her putting away the poison. Yeah, again, uh huh. And it shows him dying and foaming at the mouth, exactly like the dog did. I didn't. I did not make that connection. Um, I am ninety nine percent sure that's, that's that, what happened. That makes more sense now. I was like, why are we seeing this? I mean, it's a nefarious scene, right? Mm-hmm. Where she's putting the poison back because it's like it insinuates she used the poison again. Mm-hmm. But I, I forgot about it. You know, I just went, oh, she put the poison back. What's that going to be connected to? And then I never. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I might be, dots. I might be completely off. Well, tell me, leave us a voicemail if you point out that I'm completely off. But I think, um, given my understanding of later episodes i'm pretty sure that that's the case but it also doesn't yeah there's a little i'm still a little confused about that and i think when you get to the end of the show if you come back and you're like but why did she do that though like doesn't make a lot of sense why she would other than i don't know increasing her glory or something I'm, Mm. i'm not i'm not sure this is an interesting that's an interesting question um maybe she wants to prove it to herself you know maybe she wants god to prove it to her yeah that way i mean bev is so over the top holier than thou and sanctimonious that i would believe she's the one person who would want god to prove something to her 
Yeah. yeah. And it shows that she she shows that she knows that uh Father Paul is Monsignor Pruitt yeah, at that moment. There's like recognition there. Yeah. She because when he is resurrected, she like tells everyone in in the house that's who he is. And so I think there's somehow foreknowledge of like maybe he'll be safe. But even in that moment when she like sees him resurrected, she's like still shocked. Wait, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird to wait, me. Wait, I'm connecting some dots here. The first episode when Father Paul uh, reveals himself, uh-huh. the first and only person he reveals himself to is Bev in that house. She walks in. She sees the trunk on the floor. She turns. <gasps> she She's talking as though Monsignor, um, as though the elderly mm-hmm. pastor is there. And then she turns. Oh, my goodness. There you are. Mm-hmm. But then we don't get anything. That's a chance that he had to lay out his plan to her and have an accomplice in this whole thing. And that would explain why the the whole the next couple episodes she acts as if um you know as if this is all for for a foregone conclusion. She's like this is how this is how miracles happen. Sometimes they just you know, it's like what, what do you think about that? There's maybe he looped her in. There's a throwaway moment that you might have missed and I'm pretty sure it's early on in this episode where Bev actually it's either in this episode or previous episode Bev looks at the wall right and has a reaction and that reaction is because she's looking at the news article of the opening of St. Patrick's right. and it has um Monsignor Pruitt, Pruitt standing out in front of it the same age as Father Paul and it's the same person right. so that's when she finds out explicitly. That's that's where I gather that happens. I don't think it happened. Because she was shocked when she saw Father Paul. It could have just been that she realized that there's evidence that other people could see. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Maybe. Um, so let's, let's go back to kind of the beginning of the episode. Um, there's a couple moments that um, are kind of throwaway moments, but I think they're important. Okay. To mention, um, the altar boys, in a previous episode, they were like, wasn't there like another bottle yeah. around here? And so there's the kind of the myster- mystery of what's happening with the yeah, extra materials. And when the altar boy goes back into the back area to relight the incense or whatever. He catches uh, Father he- Paul. Pouring Spike a, in the yeah, he's pouring a flask into yeah. the sacrament wine, and he shows no like surprise or anything. He's like, he's like, I'm not doing anything wrong. I got wine in my flask. Oh, oh, is but it could be easily explained. Is that Catholic since, pastor also an alcoholic? Shocking. We're shocked. No, but I mean, it can be easily explained since he goes to, um, the doctor's mom to administer sacrament to her. Sure, and so he's got to have a. Gotta have you know, a portable pocket wine po- pocket blood thing. Um Oh pocket blood. <laughs> pocket blood. Because it's the blood of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Technically the sacrament is the well, I mean, literally yeah. in the Catholic right. religion, right. it's literally the blood of Christ. It's um and then 
Oh, mm, shit. Shit. So, um, is that, okay, um, and then there's the sermon. This is another, like, every sermon on the show is, like, very believable. It's oh, not, yeah. like, over the top. This one is getting a little closer because he's, they're basically advancing the, the story of, like, kind of preparing the townspeople for some kind of miraculous change. Sure. Which, at this point, they should notice that they're, you know, appearing and feeling a decade or more younger. I mean, they are. They're showing up in droves, you know? Yeah. The church is full. Um, And then it goes, um, tells a little more of Father Pruitt's story, and he prefaces it with the story of Saul, which is interesting, and of note, because the story of Saul in the Bible is he's he's struck down on the road to Damascus and then sees an angel and he returns changed and from then on goes by the name of Paul, which is interesting since it's Father Paul's name. Oh, shit. And it shows uh, Monsignor Pruitt on the road to Damascus in like a crazy sandstorm and discovers a cave. He's got to get shelter from the storm. And then the other subplot that's happening is with sh- the sheriff and his son. Um, sheriff notices his son is reading the Bible and then has like the the separation of church and state meeting at the at the schoolhouse, which is a great scene. This is such a great like. This is like one of the best scenes for Bev. Like this is. One of those where you're just impressed with the writing that it can be subtle enough to be believable. Yeah. And and just like pushy and passive aggressive enough to be a person like someone that you know. Oh, yeah. You know? Let's go back just for just a brief second. I love that it takes the trope of finding your kid doing something wrong and right. turns it on its head. <laughs> it's a Bible. It's like, if this were any middle American family, just white bread, waspy motherfucker, uh-huh. it would be them finding drugs in their kid's uh-huh. drawer and being like, Bobby, I I can't, how'd you flunk English? You speak English. And, uh, and, but it's not, <laughs> it's, it's this devout, Muslim family finding a Bible and being uh-huh. like, the fuck is this shit? I love that, how it takes the trope and turns it on its head. Because it's, it's like this, in terms of things that you could find, Bible is, I mean, it's preferable to drugs, I would right. think. Right, <laughs> you know, like, So I like that uh, in uh, aspect. But man, Bev really... I don't think, I think we've all met a Bev and uh, yeah. we've all got feelings about this person and they're not fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how they demonstrated the, the quandary very sub- subtly with the sheriff going into the doctrine of Islam, like to describe like what the Bible means to him and, and then going into the theology to the point where it makes every one that's Christian in the room start feeling uncomfortable about, you know, feeling like they're being blasphemed. Uh-huh. And Bev's like, ah, that's <laughs> enough. Ah. And he's like, exactly. That's right. why we shouldn't be talking about this Yeah, in school. I agree completely. But then 
the the whole point of it is that Bev is taking advantage of the moment that there's this spiritual awakening in quotation marks happening and the the town is all cut up in it and that's when she can snatch some power yeah which we learn she's done in the past oh yeah and there if there's a moment joe of, joe is our delivery vehicle for that information he he's got all the dirt yeah on bev yeah we learned that bev basically instigated or, or really pushed through a settlement from the oil company that that we heard had the spill before and that all that money was um passive aggressively siphoned into the church where she built this recreation center but everyone has questions about did all the money actually go there or did right. it go into Bev's pocket right and we know that she's like a you know basically an evil person since she poisons dogs and do you have proof of that, Bryce? I would love to see your proof mm-hmm. of, because uh, otherwise, uh, I agree with you. We should definitely lock up. You're this completely poison. right. We should get a treasurer. <laughs> um, Dude, I wonder if any. Do you think anybody on Earth will watch Midnight Mass and and be and be like, I identify with Beth. I don't think they'd make it very far through the series. You don't think so? No, because it's, I mean, I doubt that they would really start it because I'm just going to go out on a limb and say most of those people would be pretty uptight and they wouldn't be into like a horror show. If you identify with Beth in this show. It's dark-sided. I'm dying to. It's dark-sided. I'm dying to know your point of view. Call us at 682-253-4468. Let me know why you identify with Beth. Yeah. Tell us why Bev was right. <laughs> what would Bev do? Yeah. <laughs> WWBD. Um, okay, and then the other advancement is that Sarah's mother's Alzheimer is cured. Alzheimer's is cured to where she recognizes Sarah again and is like, I'm back. I'm back, bitch. I'm Brittany, bitch. Um... Yeah, no, I mean, there's so many, like, hopeful, interesting things happening, right? And it, Yeah, I mean, I, I'm struggling whether I want to nitpick with with some of this stuff, because it doesn't, because, uh, like, why aren't people talking about being de-aged? Like, why aren't people talking about, you know, the miracle of this person's Alzheimer's being cured? In the same way that they're talking about, like, the spinal oh, injury this being stuff, cured. This stuff is so gradual. All the stuff that's being... All the stuff... This is why it's clever. This is why it's a clever um, mechanic, is because he's choosing things like like your eyesight going, like slow degenerative memory diseases. It's like... Those things happen so... At a snail's yeah, pace. I, I guess what, we're, what time frame are we talking about? I feel like this happens in... Days or weeks, not like months, you know. So I feel like no, sure, no. You would notice, like, hey, you don't have any gray hair anymore. Yeah, no. Let me, yeah, let me finish my thought. Like the way they degrade is over very slow time, Uh right? Right. And so if you have a good day, like or two, you're just gonna be like, damn, like, oh shit, like, right. That's okay, you know, like my back didn't hurt that bad. And you know what? With with 
with the stuff like my grandma is um in s- some stage of dementia and uh and she has good days and bad days you know some days are real bad some days she's almost herself you know and so it can be this like influx thing um and you know i, I don't know yeah, yeah so I think it's kind of a but I mean uh, I'm it's one of those things that I'm I'm not going to be nitpicky about but mm-hmm. I notice but really it's it's a asset to the show because it's more of a dreamlike quality of like this is happening to everyone and not everyone's like not really noticing for some reason well like no everyone's not like acknowledging how crazy Bryce it is, is in acknowledging total. his nitpickiness. He's, he's uh-huh. winking at it from across the room. So so that happens. Um, another big point is Joe starts going to AA with Riley and, and Father Paul. After after his run-in with Lisa, after Lisa yeah. stops by and she's like, if I can forgive you, anybody can. And is like, oh, shit. I was just like, I look just like Joe at the end of that. I was like, right. oh, God. Oh, my God. Like, there's so much of that. Did, did you take any of that personally? Any of that apology or any of that? Um... Personally? No. I mean, I, I was affected by it. It was very emotional. It's a very it's a very powerful I, I scene. It, I took it personally. Like, I just take all of the things that people say in these in movies and shows and i and i apply it to things within my own life just like oh man i wish that girl i shot in the spine for gay <laughs> not literally just, just never just... take it i never talk about it anymore <laughs> no i just i just i i take it and i go how is what parallel can i draw to my life and then i do it immediately ipso facto mm-hmm. and then it's <laughs> oh god you know like and then I can like empathize with it so much more. Yeah. Um, yeah, that affected me a lot. That yeah. whole thing. Um, I just remembered another thing that was subtle enough that I really appreciated it was the whenever they touch on the racism with the sheriff and how the town views him, but especially Bev, it's uh feels very realistic. So when he's like if I came into this school and was handing out Quran, Korans, Quran, Karai, I don't know, what's the plural, plural of Korans? I'm gonna Books let of you, Quran. Uh, hang out to dry on that one. Um, you'd run me out of town. And instead of like appreciating the point that he was trying to make, she's like, oh, I would never. I can't believe you would think that I. I'm so bigoted that I would run you out of town. I would totally appreciate. This is exactly what someone like Bev. Would I know. Do. It's it's. This, I know. It's perfect. It's this. Um. It's this super passive aggressive. Like, let me gain the upper. You took the upper hand with your sentence. Now I'm just gonna whoop take that right yeah. back in a way that. Oh, what are you gonna you gonna call me a bitch now? Right. Like the next move is for him to go. You fucking bitch. <laughs> yeah, and her power in in all of this is that she knows the room. Uh-huh. way better than he does yeah. like he's he constantly gets surprised by the room he's like oh yeah oh these aren't reasonable people these are <laughs> you know real salt of the earth people you know people of the people of the land yeah. people of the sea you know morons sea people <laughs> <laughs> wow um 
So, okay. Father Paul keeps throwing up throughout this sh- throughout this episode, and then f- finally... He's having a real tough time. He's having I a mean, real tough time. I mean, he's all over himself. He faints at the start. He's throwing up. He can barely manage to keep himself mm-hmm. standing. And then he... F- I think finally when he f- falls down foaming at the mouth, then he goes and gives the big reveal of the show. That's it. Einhorn is Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn. Einhorn is a man. (laughs) So Pruitt is Paul. And Paul is Pruitt. And Pruitt's a man. So did you guess this before this reveal? Like, was there anything that kind of tipped you off? Yeah, yeah. I had... had I didn't want to say it because I thought it would sound foolish or contrite uh-huh. or like too obvious. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I had an inkling, you know, I was like, what if he's the same guy? That's stupid. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it did that to me. It was like the, the old switcheroo, double switcheroo. Yeah. There was a couple things that tipped me off. Um, one was that, you know, um, Everyone's kind of Riley, going backwards. Everyone's kind of de-aging. Yeah. And there's a point in episode two or one where um, the doctor's mom, I, I don't remember her name. Yeah. Again, this is another example of us being very researched. But the old lady. Is it? No. It's not, I mean, yes. It's like Ellen, maybe? I don't know. Just think of old people names. Um, or when she meets father paul the first time she's like oh is that monsignor pruitt i think that's what she says something or wait she says something that that tipped me off like hmm that's i thought i saw your father at the window is what she said well that's that's later when she's looking out the window but like oh yeah 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 she was asking she said like oh is that father pruitt and she's like no this is is the new this is the new father and so it's like uh she's like like, i have to return some videotapes return some videotapes and father 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 paul's like and i love the (laughs) the rhetoric here of of him accepting this giant winged vampire beast as an angel it's like that's such a great device because he points out in the bible every time you an angel is seen people are terrified terrified dude well they're like ha- struck dumb and frightened look though okay so we're in the cave we're old monsignor uh-huh. pruitt we got dementia this thing attacks us uh-huh. holy shit that was so creepy Ugh! and uh and so this thing attacks us, and now we're young the next day. Mm-hmm. That's a fucking miracle. It is. Yeah. It, it is a miracle. A, a vampire is a miracle, like, <laughs> no matter how you cut it. Right. It's magic. There's yeah. some magic thing on Earth. I mean, it's a it's a winged beast. I mean, how many winged beasts do you know of? <laughs> yeah, just some magical thing that flies through the air. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, wait. <laughs> um, no, but... How do we know angels aren't vampires, Bryce? Right. How do we know? How do we know? Don't know. 
but I, I love that's the, the route that they're going. And this was like, again, it, it turns the corner on the series and I'm like, this is great because it's not the easy way. It's not, it's very hard. Oh, it's a, it's a demon. You know, yeah. the demon is the easy thing. It's an evil presence. And it's like, uh, you know, yeah. Bagul is here or whatever. He's going to be spooky and he's going to have wings and jump on people. Yeah. It's like, no, this is, this is pretty straightforward vampire lore. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, for the record, if you're going to be attacked by a monster, I feel like vampire is probably the best way to go. Um, actually, that's a good, that's a good point. I just like my neck, neck being sucked. I mean, you, well, yeah, that's number one. Fabulous. Um, but, but also like, okay, so what are the other options? So you got so Wolfman? You got Wolfman, which is that one of the good options, right? No. Oh. Be mauled. Well, yeah, I but be here's, mauled. here's, let me, let me explain my, uh, let me explain my thought process here. If you're being attacked by a mummy or a thing from the Black Lagoon or, uh-huh. or, um, I don't you know. I don't know. Uh, Frank uh, Frankenstein's monster. Mm-hmm. You're just simply going to be torn to shreds. There are no possibilities. If you're being attacked by a wolfman or a vampire, there's the possibility that you get turned into some sort of amazing creature. That's true. Um, yeah, wolfman doesn't have a great success record for actually killing people. There's a lot of just turning wolf, wolfmen ah, get created. Yeah. And so you're not necessarily losing your life. You're just losing a branch that you were probably mm-hmm. going down, which was like, you know, having a family and being normal and not biting people. And now you're biting people a lot more. Right. But same thing with vampires. More people biting, probably a lot longer lifespan. Everything else, you could probably, I don't know, you know, you could do it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm excited by how people are going to take this show oh, now. Because... Yeah. I kind of would like a revival of, or a reimagining or a re, re-emerging appreciation for vampires. Don't you remember that one vampire show that came out on Netflix a couple years ago? It was a four-part miniseries, and and it was the first episode was like wow, and then the next three episodes. Oh, were like, Dracula, the ugh. BBC Dracula. Yeah. Or wait, was it BBC or was it just? I don't know. It was Netflix. on Netflix. I don't. It could have been BBC. It. Was first episode so was so disappointing. That first episode was so cool. Yeah. And then the the showrunner, I forgot the name of the showrunner, but he's like the guy that does this type of <laughs> <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> it's like he did Doctor Who, um like the Tenant and and um Oh he did the, Tenant? The next run. No, not the movie. David Tennant, oh. Doctor Who. Oh, oh, oh. Very much so, like, oh, this is going to have a big dramatic conclusion and, you know, snarkiness in between. And it was just, man, had so much promise in the beginning. Just shit the bed. But, yeah. Yeah, Like, I I would like more imagination around vampires. Oh, yeah. And I I think it's time for a reemergence because it's kind of been tainted and associated. I'm not going to look down on people that like it, but really the association right now is Twilight. Yeah. The- Whereas previously it was it was Anne Rice, which has a cool element to it, but a Bram lot of people Stoker. Can, yeah, a lot of people couldn't get into it. A lot of the gothic stuff, but this really opens it up to like this is a general horror True, idea. True Blood was very True Blood popular. Was, yeah, True Blood was really popular, and it was it was a fun show. Kind of went off the rails towards the end there, but uh, but um. You know, but, I mean, the, that's a while ago now. Oh, yeah. A while yeah, ago. Yeah, it's like 10 years ago. Yeah. And um, 
And uh, I Am Legend was a was a fabulous kind of reimagining of you know, like vampires or that wasn't vampires. They're um, just monsters. They're like speed wide mouth wide mouth monsters. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, there's a like, little leeway in there, right? Felt like they were just meth addict monsters. Okay, fair enough. Um, I've I've just. I'm getting so tired of of just getting my ass crammed with zombies. Just like, more zombies! <laughs> Shove it into every orifice! Don't you love zombies? Yeah, I know. It's like, can't we do something with something else? It's all the, they, it'd be cool if, if people were doing zombies well, but um, th- but they're just not. That stopped yeah. in the 90s, sorry. Or in the 2004. Yeah. That's that, just, after that, it's all done. Yeah, let's... Well, I mean, yeah, let's just cool it yeah. for a little while. It's so played out now. Like, after Zombieland, it's like... Well, here you got your... After Zombieland, like, aren't, wouldn't you be embarrassed to do another zombie movie? You're like, all right. It's like... It's the same as doing, like, another Cabin in the Woods thing after Cabin in the Woods. Like, yeah. okay, this has been parodied to the point of, like, completely disassembling it. As yeah. An option. Well, here's your here's your wish come true. Uh, our fa- literally our favorite right. horror director tackling vampires in a it, in a in, new in, and in a completely imaginative new way. and imaginative way. Yeah. I mean, man, and the way this this series handles my emotions, <laughs> oh, I love it. The the first time watching it through, I was like, I don't see. This is like where I kind of measure it against. Haunting of Hill House, because Haunting of Hill House was so emotional and just yeah. had every episode just had like a capstone of some kind of bangers, beautiful message yeah. about humanity and living life and loss and whatnot. And this one, it's not making as much of a point of saying this is what this is. But it has those moments, and I'm appreciating more on the second watch through because the monologues are fantastic. So Joe getting forgiven by Lisa is fantastic. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, like the story of Monsignor Pruitt. Yeah. Um, I think the on- love story going on here between what Luke and um, and. Uh- the pregnant lady, Jesus. Oh, Christ. Riley. Right. Oh, between Riley and um, Aaron. Aaron. Um, yeah. So there's there's a lot of like underpinning under there that's that it's just my my um, meets my seal of approval. Yeah. Like it has people that feel real and uh, stakes. You know, emotional stakes. Mm-hmm. Um. So this one ends with Paul being resurrected and Bev basically announcing that he's Monsignor Pruitt. And so inside that building is Lisa's parents, so the the mayor and his wife, um, the groundskeeper Willie guy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know his name. Um, and was there someone else? Someone else or was that it? I think that might have been it. I think that might have been it. So... Another cliffhanger to lead us into the next episode. And what what a cliffhanger, man! He, he's yeah. dead. His eyes are red. I mean, he's straight dead. Yeah. I was like, where do we go from here? Yeah. So that's 
our episode. Thank you. Go with Mike. Um, please subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. If you like this after show, share it with a friend. Um, lots of ways you can help support the podcast if you're interested. Um, best way to do that is just go to horrormovietalk.com. We want to give a shout out to Dustin Goble, our resident artist. Who he fucks so fucks hard. so hard. Oh my God, um, you can find him on Instagram at dgobel zero zero. That's at d g o e b e l zero zero. And uh, let us know what you think about the after show or anything that we said or um, complain about whatever at six eight two two five three four four six eight. And we'll see you on the flippity flop. Catch you on the flip flop. Bye bye. <laughs>